0: and welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's opening day, Thursday, April 1st, 2021. He is Tristan Happy-Kakaroff. Happy that the season is here. Kyle Soppy produces and researches. I am merely Eric Carabell. On today's show, we're just happy baseball is here on time. Tristan, I see you smiling. That's nice to see. You're ready for opening day, hopefully.
1: Oh, yeah. How can you not? One of the best days of the year.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't think you're truly ready. I am wearing my Philly shirt, Philly shorts, and Philly socks, and you are wearing nothing Yankees. And I don't know who Kyle is for. So what's going on with that, Tristan?
1: You're saying to the guy who's got like 30 hats and Yankee bobbleheads and everything right behind head. him.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, there's Yankee stuff in your basement, you know, a little bit scary. But yes, this is, the
1: curse. Of- this is the curse that I've got to decide which of those hats and which of the Yankee number jerseys to wear. So, you know, it's going to take a little time. I got till 1 p.m. Eastern, you know.
0: All right, All right. Let's get right to it because there's lots of news on today's show and we know you want it uh, for fantasy purposes. So I think we have to open with the news of Adelbert and Mondesi hitting the injury list with an oblique injury. It is retroactive for a few days. It's not expected to sideline him the entire month of April. And this is not a victory lap. I don't have him rostered on many teams because I didn't want Adelbert and Mondesi. And part of the reason wasn't just performance. It was durability. I question that as well. Um, but I still think he can have a tremendous season and we're already seeing Monsey slip in drafts, which is probably a mistake. It's only, it might only be, you know, 10 days, two weeks, something like that. So Tris, your thoughts on Monsey hitting the injury list.
1: I don't think it changes an awful lot other than, of course, the absence for the first two, two scoring periods in the ESPN leagues, at least of your season. I mean, when you think in terms of oblique injuries, uh, i always prepare for the three week absence it could of course be longer and that is a bit of a concern for a speedster He generates a lot of his value from from stolen bases but you know I, you and i talked about this i actually thought he was going at a pretty fair price during draft season i don't think this should be some sort of catastrophic break for people who drafted him i really don't
0: yeah. If you got them, um, I mean, it's like Luke Voigt. You're not, you shouldn't be releasing these guys if they were top 50 picks overall in the first place, which they were, then why? I mean, we're again, we're seeing Voigt He's like the number three most dropped first baseman. Don't do it. He's going to be back, you know? Well, I mean, Voigt's going to be out a lot longer than Montessi. Um, Royals will go with Nicky Lopez who just can't hit as their shortstop. And um, I don't know. I'm kind of interested in this Royals lineup to be honest with you, Tristan. I mean, I, I haven't seen the opening day one yet, but Witt, Merrifield, possibly leading off second or right field. Benintendi, Santana, Sal Perez, Jorge Soler. We'll get to Soler a little later. Hunter Dozier, who I like. Kyle Isbell, the starting right fielder. How about that? That's not something I saw coming. Did you?
1: I did not, no. That was the the real surprise to me from the Royals lineup so far was Isbell. Uh, and, and you know, there there were some positive things said about him in terms of the prospect status. Not one of the elite blue chip type of guys, but... You know, in a, in an AL only league, perhaps worth the dart throw, especially Definitely. knowing he's going to get some playing time initially.
0: Anybody that you know is going to get playing time is worth a dart throw in an AL or a only league, isn't? is Aren't they? I mean, yeah, Adam yeah, gen- worth it in NL only.
1: <laughs> yeah, generally speaking, I mean, the problem in Isbell's case is just it's not a good power ballpark, and he's going to probably begin the year batting eighth in the order. So that that I mean. But he's playing, and that's the key. Playing time is very important in those leagues.
0: Little pop, little speed. Moving on. Speaking of pop and speed, the Mets have their shortstop until the end of time. It's Francisco Lindor. Um, That's interesting. Not that I thought he was going to leave, and then there was posturing, and then the owner was tweeting. It, It was really a crazy week in the Mets world. But your thoughts in general. Obviously, Lindor rostered in every single league. But from a dynasty aspect here, he should age pretty well statistically, too. and. Playing in New York should not be a problem. About to top the lineup. He'll still his bases, hit for power. Cool with this?
1: For the most part, yeah. I mean, you know, any, ter- any contract of that that's length, we question how it's going to play out in the final years. I think in Lindor's case, I'm just concerned that as we get to the second half of that contract, some of the stolen bases will begin to decline. Perhaps his range won't be quite as good. I don't know that he's going to necessarily need a position change. He might at the ultimately the end of the deal but that's way so far down the line it doesn't have an impact on on uh, dynasty leagues. The the one thing with Lindor and you and I I think discussed this early on in the offseason is that there's a little bit more uh, of a perceived name value and and kind of an overrated fantasy value from compared to his true value in the on-field game. I think he's a little bit more valuable there than he is for our purposes.
0: I would agree with that and shortstop is plenty deep. So if you're still drafting this weekend I mean, you shouldn't be moving Lindor up because he signed with the Mets forever. I mean, no. he is what he is, but he's not a first-round pick anymore. Is that, do you have any shares of him? I do not. I don't. I, well, I don't fun. believe so. I've, I, you know, it's funny. Like I have so many leagues between fantasy and sim, and you know, a guy gets injured, and I'm like, I know I got him somewhere, but until I do my lineups, I just can't remember. Like obviously, there's a league or two that I exalt above the others, but. I You know, I, I don't think I have Lindor anywhere, but I guess it's possible. It, it'd be hard because I, I wasn't t- coveting him early.
1: I've, I've got no shares of him either. And it's that there is always one person in every one of my leagues who thinks Lindor is a locked in first round pick. It's not a matter of the whole room judging him as that, but there is always somebody who thinks he belongs up there with Trey Turner. And that's what I would dispute.
0: Trey Turner was supposed to bat number three in Washington's lineup in opening day. That's kind of interesting. Robles leading off. Any thoughts there? I mean, if Robles holds the leadoff job and steals bases like we thought, huge bargain in drafts.
1: Yeah. And he did show an awful lot of correction on last year's issues. Entered camp with a whole new uh, philosophy there. Remember, he entered last year adding 15 pounds of muscle. <laughs> I keep doing the Willie Mays Hayes jokes. Uh, and he he just was great. He hit, he ran, he showed some speed. It looked like the Robles of two years ago was there. Not great in terms of the exit velocity. You've mentioned this many times before. I think that's going to still be a problem for him. He's not the most patient, doesn't drive on base percentage. But, you know, he he actually showed during spring training he could be capable of it. So it's a, it's an interesting move.
0: First lineup for the White Sox is not have Andrew Vaughn in it. Uh, if you've got Vaughn, would you leave him active? I guess it's too late. Uh, the rosters have already locked for people listening to the show. But... Are you concerned? Like, why would they do that? They were going to try him in left. And he's clearly one of the, he's clearly a better hitter than Larry Garcia. I agree that he shouldn't be playing left field, but he's a better hitter than, you know, Zach Collins. Why is Andrew Vaughn? I mean, maybe he'll play in every lineup after today. I don't know. It just seems odd. Like it's over managing and you're going to see a ton of it from the White Sox.
1: Yeah. You're, you're, you're going to stand off a lot of that. And, the the fear here is that somebody reacts as if he's going to be the weak side of a platoon, which would severely deflate his value in his defense in the ESPN leagues, five games against left-handed starters, at least according to the current scheduling five games out of the 10 are going to come against left-handed starters. So he's going to get the bulk of the playing time this week. Regardless, I agree with you that it's, it's risky to try him as a regular player in left field and maybe they're just trying to take it easy. I think it's really weird not to put him in the opening day lineup. Um, they picked up Yolmer Sanchez, by the way. They picked Didn't up Jake they? Lamb the other day, and I thought he was going to be thrown in there ahead of Jake, uh, uh, Zach Collins, and now they picked up Yolmer Sanchez. So I don't know what they're thinking between DH and left field. They really don't.
0: Well, good luck. If you're a White Sox fan, uh, Kyle Lewis hit the injury list for Seattle, Taylor Trammell, the opening day lineup in center field. Lewis should not be out all that long. It's a knee. And if he was, you know, uh, thought to make the team out of spring training without an injury list and I can't imagine this is going to take more than a week or two, but we will see your overall thoughts for, thoughts for Kyle Lewis here because he batted 262 last year, but it was kind of two seasons, like Jay Cronenworth, like one great, one great month and then one not so great month. So overall, what are you expecting out of Kyle Lewis this season?
1: A good but not elite and uh, uh, a year that's not comparable to the rookie of the year campaign he just had. I think he's a good player, um, gives you decent pop, has a bit of speed, plays good defense. But I I think he's an inconsistent player. There's some holes in his game. And we saw some of the corrections in September. And I think that those are going to extend into this year. I think he's going to be closer to the September 2020 player than he was in 2019. But you know what? The ADPs were correcting according, accordingly for that. I saw him go 175 overall in a lot of drafts. That seems about right.
0: So like 260 with 20 home runs, 5 steals, 10 steals? Yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing, we be...
1: nothing extraordinary, but certainly useful.
0: All right, what other stuff do we need to get to in the news here? Jake Odorizzi will not pitch, will not face live hitters until mid-April at least. Mike Soroka at the injury list, we won't see him probably until late April at least. Uh, overall concerns with these guys I and mean, you can still get great value out of them Soroka and Odorizzi over five months it, it, if you still have to draft or if they're on your free agency which they might be
1: mm-hmm. um there's been a lot of optimism about Odorizzi in the drafts that I've seen people are drafting him as if he is close to the great pitcher who began I'm trying to remember if it was 2019 he was great over the first couple of months or last year I think it was 2019 uh had some really rocky stretches last season however and I'm concerned about the late start. It's probably the right move for Houston to just push him back. They've got Luis Garcia to take the first start, and then they've got an off day that kind of uh, shuffles the schedule around for April and gives Rizzi another week or two. I, I, just not, I don't think there's going to be a lot for him. I actually think he's going to be leaning more towards matchups type. Soroka, I still think he's a great young pitcher. They're trying to take the conservative route for him. This is not surprising news. It doesn't change my approach too much. But it's tough to draft a guy you know is not going to contribute much in April.
0: Speaking of David Price and not make the Dodgers rotation, are you dropping him?
1: Yes-ish. Um, Price is going to have value in an ESPN league where he's not burning starts. If you have a starts cap league, uh, the daily transaction helps to put him in there as a relief pitcher around some of your other starters when you have an open spot. So you'll see off-site leagues, for example – You've got four days of games where you might have a starter who's in your lineup typically who's not going to pitch until Monday or Tuesday. You can throw Price in, but I think his value is going to be limited to that. And In an ESPN standard, that that's outside the draft pool. That's outside the top 250, probably outside the top 300, don't you think?
0: How many starts does he make, 20, less than 20?
1: I think it's less than 20. I actually think they might go somewhere in the range of 15, 15, 15 between him, May, and Strip, uh, him, Gonsolin. May, and Gonsolin. Keeping Russ Stripling because I just edited him in the forecaster. <laughs>
0: um, so the most dropped players in ESPN leagues as of today over the past week Eloy, Nick Anderson, Kirby Yates, Leclerc, all injured. Framer Valdez, number five. I, I don't know when he's pitching. Houston has not really given an update here. That they, they say he doesn't need surgery, but they haven't said he's pitching in the first month or two uh jonathan vr you shouldn't have been drafting the first place we told you that his ranking was way too high price jd davis is being dropped although i think he's in the mets lineup um a little bit strange Dalton Varso got demoted i didn't like that very much i have him i had shares of him in a couple leagues why were people still drafting vr vr it's because the projection was so high for steals which it shouldn't have been um but he's not going to play that much for the mets if they if, if he does play that much for the mets there's a problem let's put it that way um, and then it, looking
1: at, yeah, it go ahead. shouldn't have been, it shouldn't have been so high, but at the time, at the onset of, uh, the off season, it looked like he'd land a starting job somewhere, but his metrics were
0: once he signed with the Mets, years. we, we projected too many steals for him, Jared Oliva, Roman Quinn, um, you know, and people started drafting that, but you, you don't need VR on your team unless, unless there's an injury. McNeil gets hurt. JD Davis gets hurt. Even then, I don't even know if VR's that good. Certainly went back to the and- top of the lineup.
1: VR and Davis tied together on the most drop list, actually, that, that each affects the other negatively. Yeah. Each of them cuts into the other's playing time, potentially. And, you know, if Davis is not playing every day, I think that's very limiting to his value. I, I think it's I think it's curious that Fernando Valdez has been dropped in more than 15 percent of ESPN leagues in the past seven days.
0: I don't think I it curious. is. I, I think it's obvious because if he's not pitching in April or May, and, we, and I don't think he is. Mm-hmm. Then, what are you doing? It's not like you're holding on to, you know, Chris Sale here. This is
1: Framber Valdez. Yeah. I mean, I, he, they're going to be better players for your. We have an expanded IR or IL this year, but you probably will end up with more relevant players on your IL. So, from that standpoint, I understand it. But for now, why wouldn't you be stashing him on your IL? The news on him has actually been quite good over the past two weeks.
0: Well, partly because he's not on the IL. <laughs> well, I mean, as yeah. of right now, I mean, yeah. again, and people complain about this on Twitter, we don't control the injured list. That comes from our, our player news source. We and actually
1: no, that it's comes the team. from MLB. That comes from the MLB teams. If they are not put, if the rosters yeah. haven't been declared, that's what you're waiting for.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if Houston doesn't put Valdez on the injury list today, then there's nothing we can do about it. We're not overriding it. So stop complaining to us. Most added list is being led by a closer. So sing that song, baby.
1: <laughs> it's the closer carousel
0: number one most added player is toronto's jordan romano and i can't argue against it he's clearly the closer there is top 10 fantasy closer upside here with jordan romano based on what we saw last season strikeouts you know, run prevention saves they're all his i think. yeah.
1: yep nope i like um, him a lot very good pitcher. Could be a top 10 guy. I agree with you. Uh, there's
0: a bunch of other closers on this list. Uh, Amir Garrett of the Reds is is the number two relief pitcher most added. Although they say he and Lucas Sims are going to split the saves. And if that's the case, Sims could easily get more. So you're adding Garrett, which is fine. He should get some saves. But don't be shocked if Lucas Sims gets the first one or two. Uh, Peter Fairbanks is being added. At least I, I, keep, I didn't get him on Monday. I should have gotten him. I had a draft and I knew it. I, I, but I ended up, instead of Peter Fairbanks, I, I sighed and took Hector Neris, and all amazing, he's the closer. I worked out. It surprising. <laughs> well, as a Phillies fan and watching the spring, as soon as Jose Alvarado started walking everybody and hitting people in the final week, it, was, it became obvious that Neris was going to keep the job because Archie Bradley's velo- velocity was down all spring, mm-hmm. and the Phillies are looking at that. And they weren't going to give the job to Coonrod or someone else, so Neris keeps it. He added a new pitch, but I, I don't know, 20 saves on Hector Naris. I guess I could see him keeping the job of a bra- I, and and the Phillies also demoted their other lefty or dem- or released them Tony Watson who ended up on the Angels so maybe Hector Neris gets thirty five saves I it's find that hard to believe but yeah. if you're adding closers today don't you have to have Neris over Amir Garrett I think you kind of do you're gonna say no but I'm gonna say yes because this is not a shared situation with the Phillies Neris is clearly Phillies closer and the Reds have already said they're sharing it with Sims and Garrett you know,
1: I I. Oh, gosh, I'm trying to remember where I correct. They would be really close to each other in my rankings, and I don't remember the last rankings update I did. My gut says right now, yeah, Naris over Garrett. There's more clarity on the role. And, and you know, at the onset of the offseason, I was pretty firm on Naris being the closer he, that he was – frankly, when Archie Bradley got signed, I, th- I thought Naris was a better pitcher. But then there was all the talk that Bradley was going to get that job. So, yeah, shame on me for having – bought into some of the early spring hype, I guess.
0: I don't think so. I mean, like who knows they're not giving us any advice, you know, so who knows Um, other teams. So we still have no idea on Arizona or Baltimore or Pittsburgh or really San Diego, although Emilio Pagan is being added in the most leagues uh, among relief pitchers there. I guess it could be him. It could be Melanson. I don't know. Maybe they don't know. Uh, That's the other thing. Like we're assuming these managers are being coy. Maybe they just don't know.
1: Actually, uh if you now this is another thing about setting lineups in week one is if you have the opportunity, an open spot, and that's usually gonna be tied to an IL guy. So I've got a couple leagues this way, I would make sure to roster all of those Padres relievers. I'd make sure that Pagan and Melanson are rostered because we could find out in four or five days that one of them is very definitively the guy. And you don't want to be scrambling to the fab list to spend all that, those free agent resources early in the year.
0: Excellent point. And, and the other thing is I have a couple of weekly leagues in which I have, you know, one, obviously, ESPN leagues, by the way, they locked on Thursday at one for not just till Sunday, but the following week as well. So that's a 10 day period or 11 day period there. 11 day, there. yep, yep. And I I just went with sure things. Like I didn't leave uh, relief pitchers that I'm not sure are getting saves active. Like I have a League. I did not leave him active. I left like Wainwright active because I know he's starting twice, maybe even no, just twice. I
1: no, think just twice. There are many three star pitchers.
0: So, like, there's you know, you have clarity with a guy like that for the season. I might use Colin May, but you're not you're not going to fall out of the race and saves in just the first eleven days either. You know how many's Colin May getting? Two, three, zero? I don't know. You know, I thought I don't think Rogers is getting saves, but I it could be whatever they want it to be. Um, all right, that's enough for the closer news. We'll have it on every show now. The fantasy forecaster and the week one pitchers to watch and teams to watch really because. That's what it is. And obviously, a a lot of stuff. So Tristan, you've done exhaustive work on this. I mean, how many stories do you have up here? And then a long lead about, you know, players getting a boost, players not getting a boost, rotations. I mean, excellent work here. Really, I got to say, my friend, you've outdone yourself with the forecaster and all the articles here. But give us an overall theme here that you noticed for the first uh, scoring period.
1: Thank you. Uh, you know, um, the the forecast, so anyway, the, the forecast, and then just to give you a preview on this one, is in addition to the column that has the four different pieces to get you ready for week one, which still is relevant to people in the daily leagues and if you haven't set your lineup for those late night games, um, it will be updated each day for the upcoming 10 days of the schedule. So each day I'll have new and updated stats and pitching rotations and hitting ratings uh, for you so that you can prepare in the daily leagues. But as far as the week one lineups are concerned, uh, the couple things that struck me were the cores games are pretty important based on how weak the Colorado Rockies' pitching situation is right now. The Dodgers are lined up to open the season in an outrageous way, and they get an advantage of having played additional games in American League Park. So the fact that they are a mix and match team means they're going to go very heavy on offense they're going to give you big numbers during the weekend of week one and then they're going to have an extra bat in the lineup when they play the games in oakland and i think that's the second yes that's the second series monday to wednesday april 5th to 7th so definitely a big dodgers week i know that's easy to say but i'd be loading up most definitely there and i would not be too scared of the pitching uh, options there nelson cruz and the twins playing in milwaukee to begin the air and he's not in the opening day lineup No surprise there. The one that might catch you is that Jake Caves is not in the lineup. Luis Arise is in left field leading off for them. Um, So they lose a little bit there. The Twins, starting the season in Milwaukee, they get a couple of games in Detroit after that, then they play Seattle. But it's not a great situation volume-wise for guys like Cruz, DH types. Um, And then the other was uh, Arizona, kind of an interesting play here over the final six games of the week. They get the three games in Coors Field, uh, Tuesday to Wednesday, April 6th to 8th. So that's a big boost for their lineup. And they had some interesting beneath-the-radar types. Josh Rojas, we talked about a lot from the fantastic spring training he had. He could get everyday play at shortstop if Nick Ahmed goes on the injured list, and we'll see if that happens before the, the roster deadline comes up here very shortly. Uh, but Rojas is probably going to play every day, and having those games in there, that's a big thing there. I think he's going to be one of the hottest ads of week one.
0: I see you didn't lower expectations for the Dodgers starters, even though they're at course Field. So in a general sense here – tell us how you do the rankings like, like how does how does Walker Bueller still end up a top 10 starting pitcher and Kershaw start close to it even though one of their two starts is at
1: Denver so a lot of that has to do with the second starts that they make during this period so this is going to come into play especially in the off-site situations where you're playing only the four de- four games of this weekend if you're playing only those 4 The Coors games are a problem. And I have to point out that Dustin May is not scheduled to pitch during that series, which is good for fantasy. It's bad for people who need a start from those guys. But I downgraded each of these somewhere between five to eight in terms of the game score. That's usually the Coors field penalty in the forecaster formulas. Uh, But Bueller still grades a 60. So does Trevor Bauer, which is a high, yet not the, the highest rating that a pitcher could get. Usually you're looking at 70 when you have very good numbers. I think they're good enough to, you know, to. Perform well in that ballpark anyway. Each of these players, other than Kershaw, yeah, seems at the peak of their game. Kershaw is not that far from it, frankly. And Julio Arias is on the rise coming off a very good spring training. I'd be more concerned they just don't pitch deep into the games and cores than they put up good numbers for you. I think they're going to give you five, six innings, have a chance of winning because of how bad Colorado's pitching is, but the ERA is going to be a little shaky.
0: And some interesting names here that I wasn't thinking about that ranked well in your starting pitcher rankings. Uh, James Paxton is is in your top 20 for the week, which I hadn't thought about. Mike Miner, the Royals, you know, facing Texas and the White Sox. I bet a lot lot of people are not thinking about Mike Miner. And Chris Paddock, uh, one of our good friends who works at ESPN and listens to this show. All right, Dave Schoenfield, He's very worried about Chris Paddock. Tell him why, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there worried about Paddock, but you are not. You, you're you having your top 20 for the week. Uh, what's the deal with Paddock?
1: Yeah, so Paddock did not have a great finish to spring training. I remember being very encouraged by his first, uh, I think it was two starts, maybe it was three, um, but the end of his spring training was nowhere near as impressive. But what comes into play with two of those names, as you mentioned, I'll bring Mike Minor into discussion with Paddock, is that they get the Texas Rangers matchups. Now, the forecaster can't put a heavy weight on the Texas ballpark numbers because we only have the 60-game sample, and that was only 30 that were played in that, that venue. So I'm doing that based on estimates, my own projections as to what I think that ballpark's going to play, and it's going to be closer to normal. If that park plays very pitching-friendly, then a guy like Paddock who's pitching the Saturday-April 10 game in Texas gets a huge boost, and that's what's carrying his ranking here is that I'm projecting for neutral numbers against a weak Texas lineup and that's pushing up things considering he's got the Sunday game home. That's a favorable one against Arizona. I mentioned Arizona I like a lot, but not because of the the San Diego series. It's the later ones there. And in Mike Miner's case, it's similar kind of things. What struck me about this, and I don't I don't manually go in there and override a lot of forecaster formulas, but the lefty pitchers going up against that White Sox lineup with a lot of righty boppers in it, I was kind of surprised that it graded James Paxton and Mike Minor so well when they, left-handed pitchers, are going to be facing this lineup. Maybe losing Eloy Jimenez is creating a little bit of a penalty, and thats I'd I, I have to theorize that that's why they got good numbers.
0: Very interesting stuff there, and we'll talk about the forecaster on every show, I would think. We'll talk about the pitchers. No need to go through every day's schedule. That's re- meaningless at this point. Um, I, Texas, by the way, you said their lineup is weak. I've got, I, I took Leota to Tavares in a league, and I need him to steal a lot of bases. In fact, that league, we protected 12. I was going to take Andres Jimenez in the first round. I mean, we already protected 12, so it's really round 13. And I need stolen bases bad, and I needed them both, Jimenez and Tavares. And Jimenez went like number three or four overall, and I ended up taking Tavares at like six. Again, there weren't monster players available, let's make that clear but I need like 25 steals out of Tavares. Um, and then I, I ended up taking Miles Straw later on, which I hate doing, but he can steal bases and he's going to play, you know? So this in, in a, a roto league, it's, it's so much different in a roto league than a points league, man. It's so much different.
1: Oh yeah. Without a doubt, when it comes to stolen bases, there's a huge difference between the two. Um, when you mentioned Tavares, it's a very important weekend, I think, for him. He's playing in Kansas City. This is going to be more speed than power-oriented games in that ballpark. They are pitchers he should be able to hit theoretically. And I want to see where he's slotted in the lineup. I want to see what kind of commitment the Rangers give to Tavares role-wise during this first weekend series.
0: Yeah, I mean, where do you get your lineups from? Like, is there a place where you go that you, you can tell our listeners, like, so, where do you?
1: So at least for the opening day lineups, we have them up on ESPN. So that's the first place I'm going for those. Um, on a day over day one, I actually am looking at the uh, BaseballPress.com lineups just because it's easy and quick to get to, and I use that from back in my DFS days. They they they're usually pretty quick to update them. So if you need to go and take a look at them within 15 seconds, that's usually my quickest.
0: Right. They tweet them out. There's a site that tweets them out as well. I follow them. I can't remember what it is. I
1: think that's MLB. It's an MLB branded uh, Twitter. Okay. I think it's just MLB lineups.
0: And, you know, get your news from Rotowire. I, I go there. We have a deal with them and they do a great job with their uh, information here. And hopefully you all played the right guys for for the first week of the season. Let's bring in our guy, Kyle Soppy now. We've got trivia and hash browns and anything else we forgot about. Kyle, what do we got for trivia today?
2: Trivia: The last from 2015 to 2019. Obviously, we had no April games last year. I want you to give me the top five players that are still active in terms of OPS in the month of April.
0: I have no idea. Sometimes the trivia question comes up. I'm like, all right, I got five guesses. I know it.
2: No, no idea. Because I don't know uh, good baseball players. That'll help. But it, Eric Thain is number one. He doesn't count.
0: It's not that I don't care. It's that I don't pay attention. To like, like April's, like who's doing well in April, and then I drop them in May. I just don't really generally do that. Do you Who, do that, Tristan? Who'd you say
1: is number one and doesn't count?
2: Eric Thames, because he's not active in.
1: Oh, okay. Okay.
2: Yeah. Major League Baseball. Yeah, no,
1: Eric, Eric, I agree with you. I mean, back in the early, in my early days of doing this, I was, I, I leaned a little bit more on the first and second half number, you know, those splits. And I would look at early, you know, like hot starting and hot finishing players. I remember for years I'd write about Mark Teixeira and how great he was in the second half. It's very uncommon. There isn't enough of a sample to to really fuel a column for that. Like If you were trying to come up with 10 names who start great and 10 who who start poorly, there isn't enough, there just isn't enough data to support it. It's not a wide enough split.
0: Yeah. So your question
2: stinks. Oh, we'll get to the answers. You might like the answers. I know Tristan will like at least one of them. Oh, Bryce Harper wow, is one of them, isn't
1: you, he? You've gotten the trivia criticism that, yes, the, the, the merry-go-round has stopped. I welcome you. it. I welcome it.
2: I like the answers. I did the question for the answers more so than the question.
1: Okay.
0: That's
2: fine.
1: It's We'll, fine. we'll see what are. what are. the curious.
0: What hash browns we got? And we should tell people we're going to do shows every Monday and Thursday morning. So if you want to get your questions into Kyle on Twitter on Sunday night and Wednesday night, that's how that's how we're going to answer them. That's how Tristan's going to answer them. So what do we got today?
2: Aaron was the first one to respond. He wants to know who are the three offenses you're most targeting when streaming, starting pitching this year?
0: <sighs> you mean against. So, like, Pittsburgh's terrible. So, like, you want to stream against them. And and Pittsburgh should be a terrible offense. Although I've got shares of Kyle Moran in a lot of places. Um, they're leading off with Anthony Alford? Is that what they're doing? In center field? That's a little bit odd.
1: That's the reason their lineup today.
0: <laughs> oh no, he's not leading off. He's batting eighth. So it's Frazier, Hayes, Brian Reynolds, Moran, Kevin Newman's batting fifth. Kevin yep. Newman is yep. batting fifth.
1: I and was Gregory probably too Polanco. critical about on him on Monday. I probably was a little bit too much. I think
0: you were a little critical, but he shouldn't be batting fifth, man. I mean, like, isn't this like a number one or two hitter? Like, that's
1: weird. Yeah, it is very strange. It's yeah. I mean, especially if you look back at at the 2019, which was a pretty good year. That's an odd place to put them in your lineup.
0: But they don't have a lot of options, to be fair. So if we're looking at lineups to, to stream against, obviously, I mean, the first two that jumped to mine are Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Um, Miami. If Miami had a decent offense, man, with that pitching staff, they could be interesting. But they're not. Yeah. So I guess you're streaming against Miami, too, because I, I, there's not a lot of power. Like Starling Marte, everybody rosters. But is there, how many other Miami hitters do we have to roster? You know, I mean, I'm trying to think about it and the lineup isn't out yet because yeah. they don't play till later. But, um, you know, what's, any other?
1: They, interestingly, Baltimore doesn't get a great grade in terms of a matchup for opposing starting pitchers, which is curious to me. And what I would wonder is whether that has to do with games in Baltimore because it's hitting friendly uh, Two that. in If they are on the road, Colorado and Cincinnati actually don't grade as well as you think when they are on the road. So if the pitcher is the host, they actually graded pretty well using the forecaster numbers. Tampa Bay actually did.
0: Detroit. That's not a great line. Robbie Grossman leading off Uh, Willie Castro, the shortstop betting third. I'm really interested to see how he does because good spring, great last season has some pop. I mean, is Willie Castro really going to bet 300 with 25 home runs? I don't think so, but man, I mean, I'm, I want to see, you know, I mean, Detroit switch hitting is- shortstop with pop. Is he any different than Aaron Hicks? A switch hitting center fielder for your team? He batting third. I mean, maybe not.
1: I, I say, I like Aaron Hicks a lot. I just think the injury thing is a huge question for him. Detroit, by the way, grades the, the best streaming matchup. Uh, no, actually wait, hold on. Actually, Texas does. Texas is number one and Detroit is number two. Um, so, yeah, they, they would they would probably be tops of the list. Kansas City is high up on, on that list. Seattle in Seattle is another one that's ranking pretty high on that list so far. And, of course, these are going to change as we get a read on offenses over the first two to three weeks. So I think the answer could very well change for some of these, you know, by April 15th or so.
0: Nick Solak. I need Nick Solak to perform. I've got players on bad offenses that I need to perform. So I'm gonna be watching that. I can't say I have any Yankee hitters (laughs) or Philly hitters, but like like Texas, yeah, Royals, I have Hunter Dozier. Anyway, next question, Kyle.
2: Oh, just as a public service announcement, if anybody's in a daily league and things haven't started yet, we already have two postponed games. So the slate's gonna be a little little wonky to start, and that's how this is. What was the other one? Boston is one and then Washington Uh, with uh, COVID stuff tonight got canceled. Yeah which is exactly how last season started with Soto missing the game. So, but you know, they the played last changed, year.
1: Huh?
2: They played last year. They played, he missed the game, which yeah. for those of us with Soto was less than ideal. But.
1: And he was amazing when he came back at false positive. And when he came back, he was amazing.
2: So it's just a reminder, keep tabs. If you're in a daily league, this is going to be a little bit of a grind and just, you know, be aware of what's going on. Salvador, as a hash brown, he wants to know Brantley versus Rosario in a league that focuses on OPS and K per nine.
0: Interesting. I assume that's Eddie and not Ahmed. Um, I mean, Eddie Rosario does not strike out all that much. He doesn't walk, but he's not a he's not a big strikeout guy. But his OPS is ever it's, it hovers around eight hundred every season. He's fine. Hits for power. You know, interesting player. Brantley's a better hitter. I mean, Brantley could bat three hundred. But his OPS, his OPS should be better. I mean, Brantley's OPS, I'm looking at it now, 840, 875, 832 with no strikeouts. It's got to be Brantley there.
1: I would agree with that. I think it's competitive, but I think it's, I'm a big Rosario fan. You know, I I liked him landing in Cleveland, good ballpark for a swing. I think he actually gets a, a decent ballpark bump. I mean,
0: Houston's lineup is, is good. I you know it wasn't last season and some of their guys slumped and I'm going to be interested to see how they start out, but... I mean, I think Bregman's bouncing back. Altuve leading off, I, I wasn't in on him. I don't have him anywhere, but he's interesting now. And obviously, Kyle Tuck could be a star. Brantley, that's a I – and mean, Gurriel may bounce back. I I think Houston's a very interesting lineup to watch early on.
2: All righty. Andrew wants to know which Jorge Soler is the real one, 2019 or 2020?
0: Well, no one's going to like this answer, but it's obviously somewhere in between. He's not hitting 50 home runs, and he's not you know playing 228 again. Well, I mean, it is because I, I'll give you my projection. All right, how about that? Two years ago, he played in every game and batted 265 with 48 home runs and a ton of strikeouts. And then last season, it was 228. His OPS dropped 150 points. Power was still there. I mean, I look at him as a 260 hitter, which he was two seasons ago. But 48 home runs is a lot, especially if that ballpark. So, I mean, I would say like 35 home runs. So 260 with 35 home runs. I mean, that's what Fran going to do, I think. So I, I I think Sawyer's fine, but I would say him and Framel two sixty with thirty five home runs. You agree with that? I,
1: yeah, I would. I would actually say the thirty five home runs even is very aggressive for that ballpark. That ballpark is absolutely terrible for power.
0: I mean, how did uh, he hit forty eight home runs, man? That's, that's that's a lot. I mean, he
1: so they weren't all on years- the road. <laughs> two years ago, he was much, much more heavily fly ball oriented. And last year, he was much, much more line drive oriented. And he chased a lot. Those are the two things that were the criticisms on last year for for his numbers. It seemed to me, looking at this, that a lot went right in that former year. So I think it is going to be closer to last season. But yeah, you you're, you know, 35 home runs is not inconceivable for him. It's just, it's it's. I wouldn't put anything down on it. Not in that ballpark. I really wouldn't. What um what, what do you make of the baseball
0: after the spring training? I mean, people are talking about it as being a little bit different but still home run happy. Um, do you, What do you think is going to happen here? Do you think we're going to see a bunch of guys hitting 40 home runs or is, or is the power going to go down a little bit, maybe accentuating you know, like batting average for fantasy or stolen bases? What do you think?
1: I think it's going to go down a little bit. I think we we kind of prepared for it going down a little bit in the first place because it would be difficult to repeat that 2019. Um, but a lot of the numbers that people are throwing out there from spring training, I haven't I haven't run it through my DB to see how much the rates are up, but it seems that the rates are up a little bit. Uh, I saw a number that that the average fly ball distance had expanded a little bit in spring training. It's spring numbers. We mentioned a lot of times that all those games in Arizona, those that's an extremely hitting friendly environment overall out there. So that's going to come a little bit into play with it. I do think we should, we should temper 2019 at maybe 85 to 90%. That's kind of the way I'm playing it. How about you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really change the way I, I approached drafts. I'm done with drafts as of now unless one pops up and I didn't change like what I was doing if, if I, I still think like what I said for Soler is he's going to hit his home runs if you've got power you're going to hit for power I didn't really downgrade guys who barely nipped the fences in 2020 like having Bijia because you know they can still make strides you know if you're a good hitter you're a good hitter I'm not saying is going to get better but I didn't downgrade him as much he was like the poster boy for barely hitting home runs and, and I don't care that Jorge Soler hit line drives in 2020 because I don't know if any of it's real so most of the 2020 numbers, like Yelich, it wasn't real. Well, why don't we give Solera a pass too? So I kind of am.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They can. Get, I don't think he can give a complete pass on it. But yeah, we're giving a Yelich a pass.
0: We rank Yelich ten or whatever we rank him. We gave Yelich a pass. Why is nobody giving Solera
1: a pass? Yelich's underlying numbers were a lot better than the roto numbers were last year. There, there's reasons for it with him. There, there were. It's a there small were-
0: sample though. You would admit that.
1: Right, right. But, I mean, if you're coupling the fact that his underlying numbers were very good and there was a small sample, it's a little bit easier to dismiss his sample compared to somebody like Soler. I mean, to me, it was a little bit of a change of an approach. He's going to have to approach a 30% fly ball rate again to get to 40 homers.
2: Oh, I agree with that. Sure. Okay. All right. And the last one here comes from John. You want to know if you're lowering expectations uh, because of a low, my goodness, because of a bad spring from Haaseong Kim.
0: Padres' uh, import there. And, you know, we don't know. I don't care what his spring looked like, to be honest. I, I do think it's, it, it could be a potential problem for them playing him if, they, if he didn't hit, which he didn't. Can't say. I, I don't have him rostered anywhere. Um, what's your take here on Kim? I mean, I think what they're going to do is play Cronenworth to second base, but platoon him. And that could be with Kim, who bats right handed. But they also have Jorge Mateo on the team. And who's missing here? Profar is right now playing left field for them because somebody's hurt. Well, Nolan Grisham. Grisham's okay. hurt. But Grisham didn't go on the injury list, did he? I, I think, think
1: he, he did. did because he is listed with an eligibility in in our game.
0: Oh no! It, all right, so I didn't even realize Grisham's on the injury list.
1: There were a couple teams that did that. St. Louis was another one that I I know made a couple of early ten day DL ten uh, day IL moves.
0: I think Kim is more. I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of him. I just, I just don't think. I think he's in a platoon with Cronenworth. What do you Kim's
1: think? Kim's in another situation, like we mentioned with Tavares a couple of minutes ago, uh, where this first week is pretty important to him because they're playing a, a full homestand with divisional games. They're going to need to slot him in here for at least one or two of these. The other is they play with the DH in Texas to finish the end of the week one scoring period. So that's the, the April 9th to 11th weekend series there. They'll add, add another spot to the lineup, which means it's an opportunity. I think he is going to sneak in maybe four or five starts here without too much trouble. And he's going to have to perform because if he doesn't, after that spring training, I do think there's going to be questions about his, his role going forward.
0: All right. Fair enough. Some, somebody, right.
2: Definitely somebody to watch. We'll circle back to trivia here. Top five players. Since twenty fifteen, in terms of April OPS.
0: Well, I would assume that Cody Bellinger is one of them because he had that monster April a couple years ago.
2: No, he is not. Not of course the
1: minimum what's the minimum?
2: It just qualified games? and active.
1: And uh, 60 all, these games? Have,
2: all these guys have at least 60 games played. Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is third. 1039. <sighs> I, I don't know. I, I,
0: I'm i trying to think of who got off to good starts in past seasons. Uh, Chris yeah. Shelton? Well, that was probably more than three years ago. <laughs> <Chris> <laughs> <Shelton>. <laughs>
1: three
2: that, that was literally before Kyle was born. Uh, it was actually – what year was that? That was one of my first years of fantasy, I want to say. Really? You've been playing that long? 2007? On, me, I was going to say I started in 06, I think.
0: I thought you were born in 06. Um, I know. Hey now, you're hey now. You're an all star. Um, <laughs> on. I know that song too. Look at this. Shelton was oh five.
2: Okay, so it was either my
0: first year or my first 05 year. and
1: 06 were the only years he played
0: a lot. So it's one oh of those my
1: years. gosh. I remember I've that it was the ten homer April. Yeah. So is Freddie Freeman on this list?
2: Tenth grade. Uh, Freddie Freeman. No, he's seventh. Just missed. Good guess though. So. There's one. There's a star. Guy on Tristan's team, an old guy, and a guy I think Carabelle liked last year.
0: <laughs> well, Aaron Judge of the Yankees.
2: Aaron Judge of the Yankees is numeral
0: uno.
1: Wow. He had
0: that amazing start two seasons
1: ago. I love it. Oh, I guess yeah.
2: Nelson Cruz is not probably on the list. <laughs> Nelson Cruz is not on the list, but he's eighth. Just behind right, Freeman.
1: Yeah. Okay. All
2: right. All right. That'll work.
1: Uh you said it was how many more stars?
2: There's three players left. You're missing one for fantasy first-rounder, an old guy that plays third base, and an outfielder that I think Eric liked last year.
0: And Mookie, Mookie and Arenado?
2: No. Arenado's ninth. I don't see Mookie. Ooh, All right.
1: Interesting. Okay, so first-rounder. Huh. Remember's oh, story. Jose Ramirez had... Whatever a- story
0: had... a didn't Story come up, Well, that was too too long ago when he came up and had that amazing April. Too
2: right. long ago on story. Yeah, it's a never-ending story. Not Ramirez? Never. Oh, Trout. Nope. You guys are going to guess every first rounder and leave out this one. Yeah.
0: Well, it's, it's Soto. Hasn't, it can't be Soto. He nope. didn't even have an April. No. <sighs> I don't know.
2: It's Tatis. Nope.
0: Not enough, no. How
2: about a guy that's been in the first round for like a decade? Art said Trout, so... Oh, I didn't hear trout. Trout is the right answer.
0: Yeah, I mean trout. I assumed.
2: Yeah. Right, so now you got an old corner infielder and an outfielder
1: that Carabel liked. An, an old third baseman and an outfield. Oh, 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 Manuel Margot, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I got to share. So I'm not, I'm not kidding around here.
2: <laughs> not Max Muncy. Oh,
1: not Max Muncy. An old third baseman. Josh old Donaldson. Third
2: baseman. Josh Donaldson, correct. Now this guy. It, the Carabao Love might be a red herring of sorts. I remember you saying his name quite a bit at some point. Okay. Outfielder.
0: So, outfielder. Obviously not a top outfielder.
2: No, that's that's safe to say. All right. That's, that's a tough one. Not, <laughs> not Will to... Myers. No. One more guess apiece. He's batting leadoff on the West Coast.
1: Leadoff on the West Coast. He's projected to bat leadoff, I'm sorry.
2: All
0: right, that should give it away. Oh, not Tommy La Stella. Nope. Because oh, he's batting leadoff on the
2: West.
1: Not corner. an outfielder, though. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, not an outfielder. Okay. Uh, Marcana.
2: No, but I do like him this year. All right, who him, is it? not this guy
1: on the so, West Coast? How am I? How am I blanking on the West Coast part of it? I don't know. I'm trying to think of like yeah. West Coast. Well,
0: don't not a good, the West coast not the a good team. Not a good team.
2: I mean Seattle Haniger? Yeah, there it is. All right. Mitch
1: Hanniger is the Mitch other
2: one. Hanager. Mitch Hanniger. Mitch yeah. Hanniger, 968, just ahead of Conforta. I do love Mitch Hanniger. I've
1: got I've got
0: him did. everywhere.
1: I thought you did. I,
0: I really how many Hanniger
1: shares do you have this year?
0: I don't even know how many shares I have in general. I don't know how many teams
1: I have. I'm definitely <laughs> You have cutting that little down. napkin with all your teams written on not it. Anymore. I don't even I even bother. I'm not even bothering. You're I like, not I care about a couple of the teams. You're not the restaurants to collect the napkins. That's the problem. We got to get um, them back to the restaurants.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I've gotten old Hanniger. I, I think I've man, I've got him in a, in a few key places. I know that and a few key sim teams as well. But I mean, I'm just hoping he plays 140 games because he's talented enough to be a 25 homer, 10 steal, 275 guy. And I thought he was really underrated in draft. So, you know, if I wrote a my guys, I did do a do draft column, but like I don't know if Hanniger was on it, but. I follow – when I look at Seattle box scores, I mean, I'm looking at Hanegar. I'm looking at J.P. Crawford for the former Philly to see if he'll ever hit. I mean, bad teams still produce interesting fantasy options. You know, they really do. And, you know, Marco Gonzalez always underrated and now to this point might be overrated. But anyway, Mitch Hanniger, Yeah, I could see it. All right. I guess we're done for today. Check out Tristan's forecast. Or honestly, if you're in a daily league, we've got it for you on ESPN. And if you're in a weekly, same thing. I mean, like I'm looking. Obviously, in an ESPN league, you can't change your roster again after um, today until 11 days from now, or for, you know, to be active. But I mean, I've got leagues where you know Sunday night will be bidding again on players. So there's going to be a lot of overreaching in like those expert leagues and the leagues where you know next week is a different week. So, like, I have a league where I I left a. I, you know, I have some money. I left a roster spot open. Like I, I have Sunny Gray. I could DL him, pick up a guy. But I want to see who pitches well in the first week, and maybe a closer emerges that we hadn't even thought of. You know, something like that. If Matt Bush actually closes for Texas, well, then I'll add him. You know, yeah. I just want to see kind of what happens in the first weekend.
1: Yep, the closer patterns are going to be among the most important to watch this uh, this weekend with so many closer roles. Just completely undeclared. I mean, and then we see that Boston's is another one that's being thrown in there with, with Matt Barnes being able to come back to the Red Sox. Completely unclear there, too. Yet another bullpen. Um, lots
0: of games on ESPN on Thursday, April 1st. No joke. Uh, I think it's four games. The last one, Granky Bassett, uh, Houston and Oakland. I'm going to be watching baseball all day long. It's going to be cold in Philly, but I'll be watching. And then Sunday Night Baseball is on ESPN. And we might get Shohei Otani. And maybe there'll be a hitter and a pitcher in that game. It's a late game. It doesn't start until like 8.30. But it's on ESPN. Dylan Cease and Shohei Otani are the scheduled starting pitchers. There's also an early game. Phillies and Braves. Zach Eflin. And then on Monday, April 5th, uh, another four games on ESPN. So ESPN is loaded with games, including day games. So the Boston game was canceled on Thursday, but now it's a day game on Friday, which is great because there was no other day game. Why was there no other day game? I don't know. But that's the way baseball does it. Um, Any final thoughts, sir?
1: Hmm. Interesting. I hadn't even realized that there wasn't a day game on Thursday. Yeah, good call. On Friday. but now Fingers. There's... Friday, yes, of course. Uh, fingers crossed that uh, Shohei Otani's blister heals in time for that Sunday night baseball. Right now it looks like it will, but, you know, we're, we're hopeful. Fingers crossed.
0: Fingers crossed. We'll be back on Monday to break down everything from the weekend, as will the Baseball Tonight podcast. So you should be checking them out. They got lots of interviews and good insight there. Um, Happy Easter to all and good Friday and good Otani this weekend. And enjoy your fantasy baseball for Tristan and Kyle. I am Miralek. Have an awesome weekend.